One of the more common complaints about this team's defense is that it's among the NFL's highest paid. I really don't get that. I really don't, and I'm about to explain why. Good morning to you. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into hockey and or baseball, I also offer daily shots of Penguins and Pirates in the same place that you found this. If I told you right now that Patrick Queen and Devin White are available through free agency this offseason, would you have any issue with the Steelers pursuing one or both of those individuals with gusto? With gusto. Nah, I didn't think so. But as soon as I mention that the Steelers had the NFL's highest paid defense and they've had it for a couple years in a row, everyone gets all offended by that. Well, they're the highest paid defense. They should be number one in the league. Come on, you've heard and read this remark yourself, right? Even if you haven't actually thought it or spoken it, you're aware of it. It's crazy. And it's crazy to the extreme that I wonder if anybody's actually putting any thought into why it happens to be the case. Because I would think that's very obvious. The Steelers don't pay their quarterbacks. Not yet, anyway. Other teams have to invest $30, $40 million into a single player at a single position. And the Steelers had, this past season, three guys who, by NFL standards, by NFL quarterback standards, hardly made any money. Kenny Pickett was on his rookie contract. Mitch Trubisky was making standard backup money. He was the highest paid. Mason Rudolph was at $1 million. If you put all three of their salaries together, you don't even get half of what a star NFL quarterback gets. So, with the Steelers not paying quarterbacks, what would you have them do with this leftover money? Well, do you want to spend it on offense just so that you can create a balance and make the people who call talk shows happy? All right, where would you spend it? Where would you put it? On the O-line? Uh-uh. Go all the way across the O-line, left to right, and you'll find that they're either still on rookie contracts or they're already very, very well paid. A tight end? No, your tight end is still on his rookie contract. How about running back? Well, ditto and ditto. Wide receiver. Okay, Deontay Johnson's already getting paid, and a lot of people's eyes overpaid. George Pickens, Calvin Austin are on their rookie contracts, so who do you want to give the money to? Allen Robinson? Miles Boykin? Who do you want to give the money to? Nobody's thinking about this. Whereas, if you look on the defensive side of the ball, my God. Goodness, the money that you could throw. First and foremost, an inside linebacker. I'd be going after inside linebackers all over creation, and that would start. It would only start with Smith and White, and I'd look for cornerback help, and I'd look for defensive line help, and I would figure out every position on that side of the ball that I could bolster. And then on top of that, I would draft at those positions. I could not care less about the 
economic imbalance between the two. It's irrelevant. Your offense is naturally going to be younger because that's where you've been investing the bulk of your high draft picks in recent years. So here's what I say. Spend even more on that side of the ball. Not because you have to prove something or whatever, but because that's where you need it and that's where it's best filled out of free agency. That might be the most important point to underscore here. I look at this defense and I see, obviously, the Steelers have around $60 million in cap space invested. I was about to say tied up in. That would sound like an insult. Invested in TJ Watt, Minka Fitzpatrick, and Cam Hayward. Now, Cam, as has become another point of discussion of late, is due $22 million. There is an outstanding chance that the Steelers are going to find a way to either pay that to him in some different form or restructure it or extend him. In parentheses here, I don't believe for a second that they'll attempt to just, you know, cut his salary. But one way or another, you're looking at somewhere between 50 and $60 million that goes into these three players. You're also looking at a defense that doesn't have anywhere near as many of those rookie contracts that I referenced on offense. You have Joey Porter Jr. as a starter entering his second year. You have Keanu Benton as a starter entering his second year. And yep, that's it. That's really it. Otherwise, everybody over there is making a ton of money. I hadn't even mentioned Alex Highsmith, who's a $14 million a year player. So if I'm looking for support in the secondary, support the inside linebacker spots, support on the line, I'm looking to spend serious money, and I am not apologizing to anyone for it. When we come back, J1Q. This segment of Daily Shot is brought to you by our good friends at Mike's Beer Bar. They're located on Federal Street, directly across from PNC Park. Mike has more than 500 beers on tap, including from more than 50 local breweries. Stop in and say hello. Tell Mike we sent you. Mike's Beer Bar. Today's J1Q comes from Jones, who says, DK, what's your opinion on the best way to improve the quarterback room in 2024? I think it's pretty widely accepted that it'd be malpractice to go into training camp with just Kenny Pickett, Mitch Trubisky, or even just Kenny and Mason Rudolph. Mid-rounder, free agent, I'd love to see a second-round pick put into Justin Fields, incredible athlete, super high ceiling, don't have to pay him anything yet, just wasn't given the right help in Chicago. What are your thoughts on the room? It's interesting, Jones, that you would use the terminology room because that was what Art Rooney used in the meeting that we had with him last week. He said, I think you're going to see changes to that quarterback room. And of course, anytime anybody uses the word quarterback related to the Steelers brass, you know, all the antennas go up. What do you mean by that? Hmm. Well, they need three and they'll have four in camp. And I do recall occasions where members of the Steelers management 
would be referring to the room, and all they were really saying was that they have to add a four. And for those of you who are new to this great game of football, a four is a Duck Hodges, and I will let you go look up Duck Hodges because that story is unbelievable, even if you hear it from me. So the first step in building this room in one direction or the other involves Mason Rudolph, not because he's the priority or he's my pick to be number one, but because he's first chronologically since he's the only one who can go to free agency. They have to determine his status. Is he a stealer or is he not a stealer? If he's not a stealer, and I believe that he will be, then you have to, as you indicate yourself in your question, get a lot more aggressive. You're not going into training camp with Kenny and Mitch. You're just not doing it. I don't think they're going into training camp with Mitch at all. I don't feel that they're going to throw Mitch out until they have a resolution with Mason. So the only sure thing in this room is Kenny because he's on his rookie deal. He's not going anywhere. They're not going to send him somewhere. They want as I was saying on a show earlier this week, to maximize their asset. They want Kenny to be as good as he can be, whatever it is that that happens to be. But since this is what you asked, I'm going to follow through. You asked me what I think the room ultimately might look like. The reason that I believe that Mason is going to get signed and stay is that the Steelers just sound so confident about it. And Other than Le'Veon Bell, I can't think of a single example in all of my time covering the team of them saying such things and then not having it get done. That tells me that Omar Khan specifically has a contract offer in mind that the Steelers believe Mason will take. And by take, I mean take before he hits the open market, because once you get the open market involved, all it takes is one out of the other 31 franchises to do something insane, and you're out. So if the quarterback room is Mason and Kenny, then you don't need Mitch around at all. Mitch goes, gets cut, You take that money that you saved on Mitch and tell me again where we're putting that money. Oh, that's right. On the other side of the ball. You still are going to need a third quarterback. Maybe it's someone in the Charlie Batch mold. Maybe that's Ryan Tannehill because he's now into that Charlie age range, meaning when Charlie was that guy in Pittsburgh under Ben. Maybe they do something along the lines of what you just suggested, which is getting a mid-rounder. That's what Mason was. He was a third-rounder out of Oklahoma State, regardless of what kind of grade Kevin Colbert and his staff actually hung on Mason. I've heard, of course, many, many times that they'd hung a first-round grade on him. He was still, in reality, a third-rounder. Maybe they do that again. Or maybe they just say, look, you know, this is... This is the duo that we have. We're going to let them have it out and not really worry that much about who's number three. But I think the other scenario that I put forth is a little bit more likely, meaning the Tannehill scenario. Not him necessarily, but someone like him. I appreciate the question. It was a good one. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Steelers. We're going to do another one of these tomorrow. 
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.